This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Happy Easter, everybody. I am so excited to be with you this morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and and I'm going to be guiding our time together for the next half hour or so as we continue our journey celebration together. So whether it's your first time or your hundredth time, I want to welcome you. We have been praying for you. We've been preparing for you. And our hope today is that you would connect with God in some deeper way, in some new level, and, uh, and we want to do everything we can to make that happen. So our goal as a church is to break down every barrier that would, that would keep you from really fully encountering God and knowing Him. And we do it through a number of ways. Uh, one of the things we do is whenever anyone comes into the church, you get a program. And we do that so we can all kind of get on the same page together. So there's not some people who know what's going on and other people who don't. We all kind of want to we want to be on this journey together. So when you came in, you should have got one of these. I hope you did. And I want you to go ahead and grab it for a second and open it up. Because there are two things. I can see you. The lights are on, by the way. So I know if you're just staring at me. Uh, there are two things you're going to want to grab. One is this card that says start here. It's our connection card. And I would ask you just to put your name on it and your email address on it right now. And I know you just came in. We just met. You don't, you don't really trust me maybe yet. But listen, I'm not even asking you to do anything with it. Just put your name on it, okay? You can even like tear it up if you want to at the end. I hope you don't, but you could. But just put your name and your email address on it because the goal of this card is to help you connect. We want to help you connect with other people in this community at New Life, if that's what you want. Uh, we want to help you connect with the things we're doing to unleash compassion and to serve in Petaluma and Sonoma County and around the world, if that's something you want. Uh, we want to help you connect with God, because ultimately our hope would be that as you continue on this journey with us at New Life, at some point you're going to want to connect with God. And boy, we would love to be the church that could help you do that and partner with you. So put your name on there, your email address on there. Uh, if you have a prayer request, our staff and leadership team, we love to pray for you every week. So on the back, you can put a prayer request or an answered prayer. And then I'm going to give you some things to do with this a little bit later. The other thing that's going to help you get on the same page with everybody else are these uh, Easter teaching notes. Uh, in the top, it says, Dead People Stay Dead. So that's what you're going to be looking for. It's got the Bible verses I'll be using today. It's got some space for you to write down some notes and some thoughts, places you agree, places you disagree. It'll give you some good talking points over Easter lunch or dinner later on today. So go ahead and get those filled out. Well, a few years ago, uh, after Easter, probably two or three years ago, I, I was listening to a podcast of a pastor uh, who lives in the South, who I really appreciate. And he was talking about Easter in a way that I had never, never really thought about. And so I said to myself at that point, I said, if I ever get the opportunity to preach on an Easter Sunday, uh, which by the way, this is my first Easter Sunday preaching. So if you're new, I'm new. Okay, I'll be kind to you if you'll be kind to me. Does that seem fair? Okay, fantastic. Look at you're clapping already. Look at that. We're a clappy church. I dig it. I said, that, that's the thing I want to preach about. If I ever get the chance this is it, because I'd never thought about it. And it, it changed my paradigm of Easter when I thought about the topic this way. So we're going to start with Jesus, because it's a good place to start in church. If you ever get lost in church, start with Jesus. Always a safe bet. We're going to start with Jesus, and we're going we're gonna to weave a whole story together. And I promise, if you stay with me, we're going somewhere at the end of this. So Jesus was probably the most well-known and probably the most polarizing character in human history. Just think about this for a second. 
whether you've read your Bible cover to cover, been to church a thousand times, or whether you've never been to church before, and this is your first time coming in, I would guess that we all have opinions about Jesus. So just listen to some of these and tell me if you line up with them. Uh, Jesus was a great teacher. Many people believe that he was one of the most charismatic and gifted communicators and speakers that ever lived. Uh, Some people think that he was just an incredible leader. Jesus was definitely controversial. Some say he was the most loving person that ever lived. Others say that he was a hateful person that started a religion that has hurt people. Some people say that he was incredibly open-minded. Other people say he was incredibly narrow-minded. I I apologize. You guys keep getting the bad side. I I apologize. He's incredibly narrow-minded, incredibly open-minded. You're welcome. Some people think that Jesus was a revolutionary who started a a movement, a revolt that has echoed for 2,000 years. Other, Other people think that he was, in fact, the wisest person, the wisest philosopher who ever lived. But on that first Easter Sunday, some 2,000 years ago, there was one thing that almost no one thought about Jesus. And I think it's going to surprise you what it was. And it's the one thing that we're going to talk about today. But just so we're all on the same page, because I know we're coming into Easter Sunday at different places on our faith journey, just so we're all on the same page, I want to back up a little bit in the story of Jesus, and then we're going to move forward. So Jesus, a few days before the day we celebrate Easter, Jesus was captured, was taken prisoner by Jewish leaders because Jesus claimed something. He claimed to be, and you're going to have to wrestle this out, but he claimed to be the unique Son of God. He claimed to be God in the flesh who would come from heaven to earth. And the religious leaders did not like that. They called it blasphemy. And they said, if he really says that he is God and is in fact the unique son of God, he should be put to death. And so they tried him one night. They found him guilty. The problem was the Jewish leaders and the Jewish nation was underneath Rome, who was the ruling superpower at the time. So the Jews could not put people to death. They had no ability to perform capital punishment. So they took Jesus to the Roman governor, a guy named Pilate. And he stood uh, trial before Pilate. He was found guilty. And then Jesus was taken by a Roman guard, and he was beaten to within an inch of his life. Most people, many people who had the beating that Jesus had, died right there on the spot just from the beating. And he was beaten to within an inch of his life. And then they took him on a place called the Skull outside of town, and they nailed him to a cross, and they crucified him. And he was dead. He was dead. Now, for most people who were nailed to the cross, it took uh, days for them to die. They would slowly bleed out. They would suffocate from the the pain of being nailed to, to a cross. But Jesus died fairly quickly. And the Sabbath day was coming up. And the Sabbath day uh, was a Jewish holiday that the Jews celebrated every week where you could not work. You had to rest on the Jewish holiday. And tradition was, if someone was crucified, if they were nailed to a cross, because only the worst criminals were nailed to crosses, if, if someone was nailed to a cross, the tradition was that their body would be taken down and thrown into a dump. But there were two Jesus followers who watched this whole thing, and, uh, and they had some money. And so they went to, to Pilate, and they begged for Jesus' body. And most people think that they probably bribed this Roman governor to give Jesus' body to them. And they took Jesus' body And the Sabbath day was coming up the next day, and so they hurried and they buried him. They wrapped him uh, in some burial clothes, and they put some spices on him, and they put him into a tomb. And these two men, their names were Joseph and and Nicodemus, they they loved Jesus. They had followed Jesus at some time from a distance, and they came to believe that Jesus was unique in some way. But 
But on that day when they buried Jesus, they were heartbroken because they believed that Jesus was dead and they believed he was going to stay dead. And so they went away that day heartbroken. And the Sabbath happened and then uh, two nights and one day passed. If you ever wonder how Easter kind of happens, two nights and one day passed. So we're in our third day of the story. And probably the most famous female who followed Jesus was a woman named Mary. And Mary had seen these two guys take Jesus to the tomb, and, and she went, as soon as the Sabbath was over, she went uh, with spices and with linens to rewrap Jesus' body. And people debate, why, why would, if they had already wrapped her body, why would this woman go and rewrap her body? And, and this is just my opinion, but to the best of my understanding, um, she watched two guys do something in a hurry, so she thought, better go do it right. Okay, so... And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Mary has, has gone to the tomb. It's the third day. And she's going to rewrap Jesus' body. And we're going to pick up the story in John chapter 20. There are four different biographies of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, this is one of the stories of Jesus' death in the book of John. And it says this in John chapter 20, verse 1. It was early on the first day of the week. And while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb And she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And we're going to pause there for a second. Mary knew Jesus. She loved Jesus. She had looked him in the eyes. She had followed him. She had seen him put his hands on people and heal them. In fact, Jesus had healed healed Mary. She loved Jesus probably more than anybody, maybe even in this room. Because you got to ask yourself, what would it take for you uh, if your husband or wife died and got buried? And you had an idea that maybe... Maybe they didn't get buried quite right. What would it take for you to, like, dig up your husband's body and rebury him, okay? That's love. Most of you are like, it would take more than I got. But Mary loved Jesus. She thought he was an incredible teacher. She thought he was a miracle worker. She thought he was the most extraordinary communicator and most loving person that had ever lived. But just like you, just like many of us in this room, On that first Easter morning, she rolled away the tomb, and she thought that Jesus was dead. She thought that he was going to stay dead. So she gets to the tomb, and she sees the stone rolled away, and she's so surprised that we find out she runs to the disciples, who, by the way, if you're new to Christianity, the disciples were Jesus' 12 closest followers. They're also called apostles in other places. She ran to the disciples who, who were Jesus' best friends, who knew him better than anybody, who, by the way, none of them were at the tomb that morning. Because just like Mary and, and, and just like the men who buried him, and just like many of us, they knew Jesus was dead, and they believed Jesus was going to stay dead. See, they weren't, they weren't there. It's not like the disciples had a sunrise service, and they were out there at sunrise counting down 10, 9, 8. They, they weren't there. They weren't there. Verse 2 of John chapter 20 says this, she came running to Simon Peter. He was the leader of the disciples. She came running to Simon and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, which um, that's the guy, John, who's writing the story. He's got a bit of like an, an ego thing. He's like, yeah, Jesus loves you guys, but he loves me, and I'm writing this book. So he writes about himself as the one who Jesus loves. So he's like, he's like, she came to Simon Peter, and she came to me, John says, the one who Jesus loved. And this is what Mary said. She said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've put him. And she's heartbroken. See, she assumes 
when the tomb is empty, that someone has gone in and stolen Jesus' body. The grave robbers have come in and they've, they've taken the body. Notice what she doesn't say. She doesn't go to the disciples and say, He is risen. She doesn't say that. She said, He's taken. They've taken him. And I, I don't know where they've, they've put him. Luke, who wrote another one of those biographies of Jesus' life, he interviewed a number of people who were there at the scene that day, and and he gives us an even bigger perspective of it. In Luke chapter 20, verse 10, he says this. It was, uh, in this scene, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, uh, Mary the mother of James, and the others who were with them who told the apostles, those are the disciples who told the apostles, but they, this is the disciples, they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb and bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away and he was wondering to himself, what on earth has happened? What's happened? And I just want to, I want to pull over to the side of the road for a second and I want to talk to you if you're here today because you love someone who comes to new life and they invited you and you respect them and, and you're, you want to get a free brunch out of it, whatever, whatever reason you're here today. And you're new, and you're new with us. I just want to talk to you for a second. So the rest of you, this is when you fill out your Connect card. (laughs) I'm going to say something to you. And if you're new to this whole thing, you're probably going to agree with me. And I want to tell you, it's okay. I'm going to say something that you're probably thinking, and you're not going to offend me. Because listen, we built new life for people like you. People who have questions, honest, legitimate questions about God and about faith and about what it looks like to to know their creator. So I'm going to say something that you might be thinking. And I promise I won't get offended if you are thinking this. You're probably thinking what, what Peter thought. We just read about it. You're probably thinking that the idea of someone rising from the dead is nonsense. Peter heard what the women were saying and he thought it was nonsense. And and I know some of us are here, and we think that whole thing about Jesus raising from the dead, it's kind of like a fairy tale. It's kind of on par with the Easter bunny. Okay, we're going to put them in the same category. They both maybe come at night, and they both leave gifts, but as we grow up, we realize they're kind of on the same level. And I have good news for you. If you're here, and that's, that's what you're thinking, you have this dissonance inside of you right now. I have good news for you. The people who knew Jesus the best, the people who followed him, the people who saw him do miracles, the people who Jesus looked in their eyes and he said to them, follow me. The people who sat by fires and and talked about life and talked about ministry and talked philosophy with him, the people who laughed with Jesus, the people who followed his every step, they thought it was nonsense too. On that first Easter, they thought thought it was nonsense too. But here's what we have to wrestle with. And if you're really open to pursuing truth today, and and again, for whatever reason you're here, I'm just glad you're here, but I want to talk to you if you're really open to pursuing spiritual truth today, you have to wrestle through this question with me. See, the first century followers of Jesus, they documented their unbelief. They documented it. Every single biography of Jesus' life documents that they did not believe that he had he had rise from the dead. Now, think about this. If you're trying to start a movement, if you're trying to perpetuate a movement based on a lie, you don't write down your disbelief, do you? You start off by saying something like, listen, everybody else was afraid. Everybody else ran, but I stayed. Right? Everybody else was hiding, but I was at the tomb. I queued up the worship team at sunrise and said, 10, 9, 8, and then we broke into song. 
You don't start off your story by saying, I was terrified. And so I hid. You don't start off your story by saying, if you're Peter, who ended up leading the church, by saying, you know what? I I denied Jesus in his moment of need. In fact, a junior high girl came up to me and she said, don't you know Jesus? And I was so scared of this 12-year-old girl that I said, I do not know him. (laughs) That's not how you start a movement. Just wrestle this out with me for a second. You start off by saying, they were afraid, but we stood strong, so follow us in this new movement of Christianity. But yet all four biographies of Jesus, they say that the disciples were confused. They didn't know what happened to Jesus, and they were scared to death. They were hiding in corners. They were were bewildered, and they did not believe but then something happens, and this is where it gets really interesting, and this is where if you're checking out faith, if you're, if you're open to it, this is where you really have to get into it and say, could there be some truth here? Because just a few weeks after Jesus died, not a few months, not a few years, a few weeks after Jesus' life, those, those same people who were terrified and who were hiding and who were bewildered, they came out into the streets and they proclaimed, not Jesus' teachings, They didn't proclaim his miracles. They said, Jesus, who you crucified, who you killed, who we all saw die, who was fully dead, is fully alive. And they said, we have seen him. I was a history major in my undergrad studies. In in history, we, we find out that it takes about 90 years for a generation to die off completely. Therefore, it takes about 90 years for a story to be changed for a lie to be manufactured, for for folklore to kind of come into the story. But these disciples didn't wait 90 days. They were close, but that's another conversation. I'm not a math guy. I'm a history guy. (laughs) They didn't wait 90 weeks. They didn't wait 90 years. They waited just a handful of weeks, and they went to the same people in the same town who witnessed Jesus being killed. And they said, I know. I know he was dead. You saw him and I saw him. But he's alive. And we've seen it. And friends, it changed them. It changed them. And we got to wrestle that to the ground. Something happened that changed them. In fact, uh, Peter and James, two of Jesus' followers, just a few weeks after he died, Peter and James were walking up to the temple where everyone went to worship God, and they saw a man who was, who was paralyzed, and they said to him, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And anytime you take a paralyzed person and you have him get up and walk, a crowd is going to gather. And you got to know this about Peter. Peter loved crowds, and whenever a crowd gathered, he loved to preach. He would just talk even if he had nothing to say. He was an external processor. He'd just start going for it. And so this crowd gathers together, and I want to give you just an excerpt from the sermon that Peter preaches on that day. It comes from Acts chapter 3, and this is what he says, and, and, and just notice this. He says, not Jesus was a great miracle worker. He doesn't say Jesus was a great teacher. He says, to the very people who killed Jesus, he says, you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and the righteous one, and instead you asked for a murderer to be released in his place. Verse 15, he says, You killed the author of life, but God has raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses to this. 
He says to these people, you were there. You saw it. You disowned him. And Peter says, listen, I disowned him too. I disowned him too. But God raised him from the dead. Listen, if if this is a lie, if this whole Jesus raising from the dead thing is a lie, people 2,000 years ago weren't so dumb. They would have walked over to the tomb, they would have rolled the rock away, and they would have seen Jesus' body. If it was a lie, they could have just gone and checked. It wasn't like everyone had died off and we were across the country or around the world. It was right there where it happened. But they didn't. If it was a lie, someone would have written in those early days, because there were historians in the Roman world, and they kept great records. Someone would have written that there's a lie, that Jesus is really dead, but they didn't. So Peter goes to him and he says, you killed him. You killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And I just want to say, them's fighting words, right? Think about it. What would it take for you to go, if someone killed your best friend, what would it take for you to go to an angry mob by yourself and say, you know what? I know you were acquitted. I know you got off, but you killed him. You'd be hoping you had someone big behind you, right? Because that's when the fight starts. And sure enough, it did. Peter and James, they got thrown into jail on the spot. And the next day, they had to go and stand before the same religious leaders that had killed Jesus. Now, if you're them, this is the perfect time to minimize the whole raising from the dead thing. Because they know that, depending on what they say to these religious leaders, that they could probably die too. So if it's a lie, this would be the perfect time to say to the religious leaders, if you're Peter and you're James, to say to them something like, yeah, Jesus was a great teacher. Yeah, Jesus did some great miracles. We love Jesus. Man, we miss him. We miss him. But they don't, they don't say it. And again, if you're here today and you're, you're honestly seeking truth, just wrestle with this with me on Easter Sunday. Just wrestle it to the ground. This is what they say to the religious leaders. They say, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And when they, the religious leaders, saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The religious leaders said, these were the guys who were hiding, who were afraid, who ran away, who went back to their fishing businesses, who went back to their law practices. But something has changed about them. Something has changed about them. Friend, do you know what event catapulted Christianity out of the Roman world? A single event that moved Christianity from 2,000 years ago to make it the, the, the most widely held faith in the, in the world. It wasn't Jesus' teachings. And it wasn't Jesus' miracles. It was the fact that people looked at him and they saw him raised from the dead. And they touched him and they felt him See, and and this is just the one thing I want to leave you with today. And it's in your notes. See, when the disciples saw Jesus after he rose from the dead, they had a transforming moment. And I'm hoping some of us will have the same transforming moment today. They moved from believing that Jesus was a good teacher, that Jesus was a moral guy, that Jesus was charismatic, that Jesus was a revolutionary. They moved from believing that Jesus was to believing in Jesus as the risen Savior of the world. Yeah, you can clap. Get your clap on. It's Easter. I like that. Slow clap in church. 
I want to talk to you because you and I aren't so different. I'm on the stage. I get it. But we all have a starting place in our faith. And I'm like a lot of you were. For years, I went to church, maybe once a month, maybe every other month. I'd always go on Easter. I'd always go on Christmas. And I spent a long time believing that blank about Jesus, that he was a good teacher, that he was a moral guy, that he did some cool things thousands of years ago. But it wasn't until I moved from believing that Jesus was to believing in Jesus as the risen Savior of the world that it had any effect on my life, that it had any transforming power on my life. And that's, if that's the sticking point for you today, I just want to, I want to I challenge you. I want to ask you, would you be open to considering not that Jesus was a good teacher, but that the people who touched him and saw him and felt him believed that he was alive. And I want to say this to you. If you think anything about Jesus, if you think that he was a good guy, if you think that he was a moral teacher, if you like that whole love your neighbor as yourself thing, you think that's a good way to kind of live life. If you're going to believe anything about Jesus, anything you know about him came from these guys who walked with him. And if you're going to believe anything about Jesus, why not believe the most important thing they said about Jesus? Because they didn't go around talking about his teachings or his miracles. They didn't say that whole love thing. That's good. They walked around saying he rose from the dead. And if you're going to believe anything they say about him, why not believe the most important thing they say about him? It's the only logical way to go. See, we Christians, we don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead because we read about it. In, in, in an ancient book. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead because the guys who were with him, Matthew and, and Mark and John, the guys who saw him, the guys who touched him, they say he did. He rose from the dead. James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, he said Jesus rose from the dead. And I just want to ask you for a second, what would it take for you to believe that your brother was the risen Savior of the world? Just think about that. I don't care what my brother says. I'm never going to believe that about him because I know him. Listen, that's one of the greatest proofs that Jesus was, is the Savior of the world. His brother even believed. Yeah, our moms think we're the Savior of the world, not our brothers. (laughs) My goodness. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Dead people do not come back to life. But God raised Jesus from the dead. It is the message of Christianity. It is the thing that transforms our lives, that we have a Savior who is not dead, who is alive, who is alive, and who is changing us. And this is why God did it. And I want you to hear this. God raised Jesus from the dead because he loves you. Because he loves you. God knows everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, everything you ever thought. He knows where you were last night, and he loves you anyway. God, God loves you. He couldn't love you more than he does right now where you sit. But there was a problem. We're told that sin entered into the world and entered into us, that we are born with a nature that's bent towards sin. And I'll give you a working definition of sin And I don't need to tell you what your sin is because when I say this, you're going to know. Sin are those things that you think, that you say, and that you do that that are hurting you and that are hurting the people you love. And the Bible says that sin has separated us from God. It separated us from God. And I don't need to tell you what sin is because you've laid in bed before at night and you've thought to yourself, I never want to say that again. 
I hope no one knows what I thought about them. I hope they don't put it up on the screens at church on Sunday. And then you find yourself doing it again a week later or a month later or a year later. Why? Because, because we're bent towards sin, which has separated us from our perfect and loving God. And so God looked down from heaven and he loved us, but he hated sin. And so God left heaven and came to earth in Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, and he lived a perfect life. And then he gave his life. No one took it from him. He gave his life on a cross and took the penalty for our sin, which was death. And make no mistake, Jesus was dead. Romans did not let people survive the cross. He was dead because sin leads to death. And then God raised him from the dead and he broke the power of sin once and for all in our lives so that we could be forgiven by God so that we could be transformed by God, so that these songs that we sing about freedom aren't just words on a screen, they're a reality in our lives. And I want to ask you today, I want to beg you, and I've been praying for you, would you open yourself up to that reality, that God loves you so much that he he broke down every barrier that would keep you from encountering him. And the only response that he's calling you for, too, is to transfer your trust from yourself and your own way of doing things and your own way of living and your own way of thinking to transfer your trust from you over to Jesus. And there's a word for that in the Bible. It's called repentance. It's a change of thinking from from I can do it all, I know it all, I'm in charge of it all, to thinking Jesus did it all on the cross and he rose from the dead. And we know he rose from the dead because the people who were there saw it and touched him and walked with him and they ate with him. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, today is your day. God loves you and he's calling you to himself. There's a reason why you're here today. And it's not what you think. It's not the free meal that's coming afterwards with your family. And it's not the awesome Easter egg hunt that you'll be doing with the kids later on. You're here today because God's been working upstream in your life and inviting you to this point to commit your life to him, to change your life forever so that you can be restored to God, be forgiven of your sins, and be adopted into God's family. And there are probably two camps I want to talk about for a second. One, you've never heard that before. Today's your day to respond to him to say yes to him and to be changed forever by him. And the second group of people are people who grew up like me, going to church off and on. But then when you had the choice to kind of do your own thing, you just decided not to. And right now, you believe that Jesus was a good guy, that Jesus founded a religion, that Jesus did some miracles, but you don't believe in Jesus as your Savior. I want to call you to recommit your life to God, to allow the living Lord of the world to change you. So we're going to pray in just a second, and I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for all of us, and then I'm going to give you space. If you're ready to commit or recommit yourself to God, to say a quiet prayer, I'm going to give you some words, and you can just say them in your heart, say them in your head. You can even whisper them out loud. And it's not a magic spell. It's simply a prayer of commitment to God where you would transfer your trust from yourself to Jesus. It is the single most life-changing thing that you will ever do. And if you sense God calling you today, now is your time. If your heart is beating, if, if you've heard this before, but today it just, it hits you in the gut, it hits you in your core, that's God calling you. It's God calling you. So would you join me? Let's pray together. 
And for all of us, God, for all of us today, I just, I want to thank you, Lord, that we're not talking about some ancient dead religion. We are talking about a living Savior who hears our prayers now and who responds to them real time in our lives. Thank you that you loved us so much, that you left heaven and came to earth, that you gave your life on a cross, and that you rose from the dead, and that you're fully alive, and that in you we can be fully alive. And if you're here today, and you're ready to either commit your life to Jesus for the first time or recommit your life to him, I want to tell you this is your time. God has you here for a reason. Be restored to your creator. Be forgiven of your sin. Allow, allow him to help you to live in the freedom that he, that he bought for you with his life. And if you're ready to do that, you can pray the simple prayer after me. Just whisper the words or say them in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me so much that you gave your life on a cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And, and today I believe that you rose from the dead and that you're fully alive. And this morning I say yes. Yes, I want to accept this offer that you've given me. Yes, I want to be forgiven. Yes, I want to be restored to you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you lead me on this journey every day from this day forward into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you made that decision today, I'm really happy for you. I'm telling you, it is, the, it is the game changer for your life. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.